Hi, this is Commander Chris Hadfield. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. I could be apocryphal, a story told by Adlai Stevenson back when he was wanting to run for president and get the nomination. Uh-huh. And he was intellectually, he may have even had a PhD. And he told his advisors, I, I'm pretty sure I have the vote of, of every intelligent person in the country. <laughs> and then they said, but sorry, but excuse me, sir, you need a majority. <laughs> Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. I think we finally have found somebody that matches our wit and knowledgeability and intelligence for our show. Yes. I mean, we have found an intellectual equal, right? Yeah, what you're trying to yes, say? Yes, exactly. And Chris Hadfield was close. <laughs> he, he was close. Well, let's let's not sell our other hundred plus guests <laughs> short. They could be just as smart. They're just not known for being smart. Right. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess if Neil deGrasse Tyson decided he wanted to be a comic artist and we interviewed him, we may not think, oh, maybe he has a PhD. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or if you wanted to just give it all up and, you know, and, and, and write, a, like you said, like write a comic book or, or do voiceover for animated animation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, we probably talked to him. We, just, we would have no idea unless he was known for that beforehand. But. Right. And what what's awesome about him too is he routinely plays himself as an intelligent like he plays an intelligent <laughs> an intelligent physicist that's himself on shows <laughs> and movies. He's becoming he he's he's already looking to step into Stan Lee's shoes. You know, one Stanley is is has already said, um I think he's done he he's still doing his cameos, right? right. But yes like, he is, yeah. Okay, so I, I for some reason I wanted to say like he had said something like he was done with the cameos because he it was oh no he's done with Comic Cons he's not making uh, any more okay. appearances yeah can't blame the guy he's like ninety something mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah I think I think Neil is is already looking to step into his shoes to a certain extent because it seems like every time you turn around on any movie where they need to have like a talking head on the television yeah. talking about some scientific disaster or. Or, you know, somebody to just step in and onto a sitcom and, right. and be like the voice of reason. It seems like it's always Neil deGrasse Tyson now, which is hilarious. Awesome. I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Well, Sarah and I, when we first moved into our new house that we're at, we didn't have internet. So we had, we had gotten a bunch of movies on the hard drive to watch. And we were watching Superman and Batman. And all of a sudden I heard this voice and we had just interviewed him. We just had <laughs> interviewed Neil deGrasse Tyson like a week, but not even a week, maybe three days before. And yeah. I heard the voice, and I was like, "Wait a second! I recognize that voice." <laughs> and then I looked, <laughs> and there he was on the t- on the movie. And and to think, it, a few days ago, he was on our. He actually it, had his video on too on our Skype. <laughs> okay, now we're just sounding like weird fanboys. We, well, I, I am. A weird <laughs> yeah, I, it was funny because about a week before um, we talked to him, uh, I was watching a movie with the kids, and it happened to be 
believe it or not, the fifth Ice Age movie. Right. Um, yeah, there's five of those movies, people. Um, so <laughs> the the newest Ice Age movie, which is um, we were Collision Course, I think is the name of it. Yeah. And we were watching it, and it was cute. If you like the Ice Age movies, it's cute. But that's not the point of me telling the story. The telling the story is because he's actually in that movie too. Awesome. And he he's not himself. Well, he is, but he's a weasel. <laughs> And he's. We didn't even get to ask him about that. It was on my list, but I felt like that. Like if right. we needed to cut a question for time, I'm not going to ask him about <laughs> Neil to Buck Weasel from Ice Age. Um, but if you came to this episode through the post on Geek Dad, you saw the picture because oh yeah, I put the picture of Neil to Buck Weasel on the post. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so it was funny. So he shows up in uh, the movie as this um, weasel commenting on the asteroid that's about to hit the earth and some of the scientific things that are happening. And it's, it's all very tongue in cheek and he's actually very funny. And there's a special feature on the Blu-ray of him answering questions about the movie. Like, could this have really happened or what would have happened if the characters had really done this? And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very funny because it's ice age. So none of it is, is plausible. Right. Um, and he plays it all off. Um, uh, like a champ. So that, and that That's was like awesome. a week beforehand. And I remember watching it with the kids and Zoe, I mean, she knows his face. She didn't right. really know his name before then. And when I told him that we were, I was going to talk to him for the podcast, she got very excited, but then she got confused. She's like, wait a minute. He's a weasel. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a real not person. The, what are you talking about? Not the weasel version of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I think there's a lot of people pretty excited for this episode. I've never had, like, all I did was put a screenshot up. I, I took a screenshot while we were talking to him of our Skype, like, us and him in the Skype yeah. call. And it got so many likes. And yeah. people were just like, I didn't know what to say who it was. I didn't even say who he was. I just put a face didn't need up. to. And every, yeah. And it was just the reactions were unbelievable. And I think we were kind of having the same reaction talking to him, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, agreed. And I this of all of our episodes, um, this is the one that I think is most anticipated by other people. I've had a lot of requests from many, not not just my mom. I mean, my mom <laughs> it has been pestering me. When is the episode going to go up? Right. Um, but lots of people have been asking um, when it's going to go live. And, and uh, well, here it is. And you'll be pleased to know we only had... I think we only had 30 minutes with him, but we ended up getting we, the conversation went longer than that. So we have we have like a full podcast episode and that's great. And it's and it's still we only got to about half of the things right. I wanted to ask. Exactly. So uh, Dr. Tyson, if you're listening, you need to come back. Yes, exactly. We <laughs> need to have a round two. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go play that interview for you right now. Dr. Tyson, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. It's just, it's an honor to have you here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, and that, that you even exist as a thing, you know? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we exist as a thing so this could happen, quite honestly. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Um, I wanted to start off with, this is something that I've been, I've been thinking a lot about lately, and it's our, I guess, our societal push toward STEM disciplines in education, getting kids interested in STEM, getting kids, you know, math, science, um, pushing those as 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 subjects that they should be studying. And I'm not arguing their importance at all. And I think as many kids who want to pursue science and math as a career should be encouraged to do so. But I'm wondering if that's being done to the detriment of the arts and the humanities. I mean, I, I kind of think about a world in which nobody studied history, and I'm a little scared of what that looks like. Uh, all right. So 
uh, maybe we already live in that world. Yeah, it very well <laughs> could be. Study history. So a uh, couple of things. The the push to STEM, I think it's it's re still a relatively new movement, if we want to call it that. I think it could benefit from some refinement, one element of which would be that we should be thinking not so much about how many scientists, engineers, uh, mathematicians, and technologists are in society. We should be thinking about how STEM literate people are. Right. That's far more important than the headcount of how many scientists or, or how many are, are represented in those fields. Because what happens is, whatever is the right number of scientists in a, in a community, I don't know what that is, but whatever that number is, once you recognize the role and value of science in our health, our wealth, and our security, then you don't have to become a scientist in order to embrace the fact that it should exist for the benefit of those three reasons. And, uh, it, it, and so when you do that, you can be an attorney, you can be an artist, you could be anything else and still say, yeah, yeah, science is good. Let's keep doing it. And then let me get back to my canvas. Mm -hmm. And so, so there might be people thinking we got to make more scientists and that's not as important because we have scientists. It's not as important as people who are in charge of wielding resources, deciding that science is a good thing um, or not. Right. And we live in a world where whole websites are given onto the distrust of science. And, and if that pervades, then that's a different world that we'll live in if yeah. everyone rejects science. So it's, you might as well just move back to the cave if that's what it turns out. Now about art being neglected, um, I think art needs to make its own case, and I'm happy to even participate in that effort and that exercise. What I mean by it needs to make its own case is that STEM is identified precisely because we know from history mm -hmm. that uh, innovations in STEM fields are the engines of tomorrow's economies, the engines. The engines of growth economies derive from STEM fields precisely from STEM fields. If you want to put art in there, it means you want art to ride that, or you want to assert that art is as fundamental as the STEM fields themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you're thinking economically, it's simply not the case. If you're thinking culturally, then art is everything. Why do we go to Europe and visit these old cities? Because they're, they're rife with art in their architecture and in their churches and in their museums. Um, so much of what we define civilization to be is the art and architecture that remains after that civilization is long gone. So to be in denial of that role as a defining principle of civilization, I think is short-sighted. Yeah. So, um, and you can make a country that had only STEM professionals in it and no art. You, you could do that, but is that, a country that you'd want to live in. And I don't know anyone who would answer yes to that question. I mean, you, you, you mentioned this, you know, there are these websites that are just devoted to debunking science and, and spreading false news. And that was a huge thing. Part of this election, you know, there's the false news that was going out. And a lot of that was based on scientific illiteracy. Why is it though, in 2016, that as a society, we're still debating some of these most basic and fundamental aspects of science that were yeah. in some cases proven hundreds of years ago. Yeah. So like, is Earth flat? Right. And uh, that's a failure of the educational system. We can go around beating people on the head. Generally, that's not what I do. Uh, I don't 
you know, chase after politicians. They, they're duly elected by an electorate. And as an educator, I focus on the electorate so that they can be as informed as possible so they know how to think. Uh, by the way, is science literacy the body of knowledge or is it a, how your brain is wired for asking questions? And I lean towards the latter of those two. They're both important. But for me, science literacy is what does information mean to you? How do you process that information? How do you put it together and get new information? How do you judge the likelihood that the information you were just exposed to is correct or not? And how do you factor all that in together? So you're, we, we're in the bad situation now in schools. We have teachers saying, never trust the Internet. <laughs> well, that's as intellectually lazy as the person that says, I believe everything I see on the Internet. <laughs> no, you have to, to do it right means understanding what is the nature of websites and who is there bias in the person who, who, who maintains the website? If there's a banner that says, seeking all conservative views there ever were, then you can bet that the what's on that website is not fair and balanced. Right. Okay, It'll be a point of view, and as long as you know that, there's nothing wrong with reading the views of people. We live in a free country. You should have full freedom of expression, of thought, and of ideas. I don't have any problems with that. But we're not breeding reading. We're not training a an internet literate mm -hmm. generation. Maybe people under 20 or I don't know. I, I haven't looked at them closely enough to see how they use the internet for their information. Right. But the um, somewhere in there in the K through 12 curriculum, there ought to be something that tells people how to assess the likelihood of yeah. something being true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it feels like it feels like this, it, it's like a viral spread of ignorance at, at this point. I mean, it's, it's frightening. And I'm just wondering, <laughs> I mean, the easy answer to this question is education. But how do we stop that spread before it just destroys us all? Well, so we can ask the question, uh, what was the primary, primary driver that got Donald Trump elected? And I, I presume it wasn't his philanderings or his his... Uh, whatever else was culturally reprehensible in his profile. I think uh, he was speaking to the emergent disenfranchised class of people in America and in ways that no one else was. So let's assume for the moment he could have gotten elected just on that without the rest of the baggage that's there, okay? Mm -hmm. So just, just to separate the variables. If that's his platform and he got elected on that platform, that's telling us something yeah. that's that. So what's going on? It means there are people who lost their jobs. There's no system in place to re-educate them to, 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 I don't mean re-educate, but to yeah. take them to a new place so that new jobs, new emergent jobs can be within their reach. There is no, so, so they're disillusioned. So we, that's who he was talking to mm -hmm. and they responded mixed in all of that are pieces of people who are anti-science or anti think the earth is flat or, all right, they're out there. I mm -hmm. think they've always been out there, actually. Um, they, but now they've got like a mouthpiece. Yeah. To, to and and so that that remains to be seen. What force that will have mm -hmm. on legislation, on culture, on on the stability of our economy, of our security, of our health, that remains to be seen. Because that I don't haven't seen yet any detailed plan that you can point to and say, this might work. I don't know about this. Yeah, nobody I, has. I don't see that yet. <laughs>
So you've uh, become incredibly well-known for popularizing science and explaining things in a way that regular people, quotes, like me and Jamie, <laughs> can understand. But you are far get... from regular people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, does it ever get frustrating that you, you seem to have to always be correcting misconceptions and helping people you know, understand basic scientific principles that in some cases have been known for hundreds of years? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. And the uh, in terms, I don't, other than the occasional tweet barrage I go on, right. if I've just seen a newly released movie where I'll comment <laughs> where I think they could have gotten the science a little better. Other than that, you don't see me running around correcting people. I was pulled into the B.O.B. rapper mm -hmm. uh, encounter with regard to a flat earth, but mm -hmm. for a very specific reason. Because generally I don't chase flat earthers or conspiracy people right. or astrologers or crystal healers. You don't see me, or, or creationist, you don't see me in those circles. Because I, ha I have a different outlook on how to, how to uh, address those challenges of society. The reason why I, I did come out for the Flat Earth and B.O.B. was because in his Twitter stream, he said he was invoking the laws of physics. Mm. And, and I felt, okay, th those are fighting words. <laughs> Can't let that stand. <laughs> yeah, time for me to open my silos, you know. And, uh, <laughs> The big guns. So I did a mic drop on 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 uh, Larry Wilmore. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to get more specifically to your question, the uh, what I try to do is not tell people what they should know. Although I'm happy to share it with you if you ask. I would much rather empower you how to think mm -hmm. on your own, mm -hmm. and then you don't never have, you don't have to reference me ever again. I'm not even in the equation. Yeah. I don't want you running around saying, this is true because Tyson said so. No, <laughs> I want you to say, this is true because here's why. Mm -hmm. Right? Nature does this under these conditions, and we have these results, and here's the history of that exercise, and here's the projected future. Now, make your decision, yeah. uh, Mr. and Mrs. Legislator. Yeah. Right? So, that's the kind of thinking that I try to uh, foster in people because it, it empowers you. It makes you a much better decision maker. Yeah. And if we all become better decision makers, we make better decisions about our own country yeah. and about how to become better shepherds of our species. So, I mean, we're going to stop talking about the election, I swear. And this is, I'm only using I this as a you. contextual. You're lying. <laughs> um, a lot of people. All the, right, all the, the press yeah. that kept saying, that kept complaining that Trump got so much attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't so even anymore. Simon song? You're Sylvain. You probably think the song is about you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so but the, the, the um, comparisons have been made between the sixties and today. And a lot of the same social issues we're facing. Um, but the silver lining that I see is that in the 60s, we had the race to space and the moon landing. And it was this seminal moment that brought people together. Uh, it made everybody feel like the world wasn't falling apart. Um, and I, I kind of see the same thing could happen today with the journey to Mars. Um, do you think that that could be this common point of wonder and, and purpose that brings people together today? It could be, but it's not going to be. Why? Or rather, it could be, but my read of history tells me that that won't happen in the way you describe. We went to the moon, sure. And 
you know, some would say we went to the moon to explore the moon, sure. But in the end, the great benefit, the silver lining you mentioned, was that we discovered Earth for the first time. Yeah. And we discovered a kind of collective humanity occupying spaceship Earth. We're all in it together. This is an outlook, a perspective that could not have really come about with the depth and meaning as it did without the Apollo program. But what you're omitting is why we went to the moon in the first place. It wasn't, oh, that seems like a nice thing to do. Oh, we have technology that can get us there, so therefore let's have it get us there. There's it a costs challenge. $100 billion in today's money to go to the moon, and you don't spend that much money unless you feel threatened. Exactly. Or unless the moon had oil wells on it, right? <laughs> Clearly it doesn't. So that meant we feel, felt threatened. We felt threatened by the godless communists embodied with the, the head of the beast in the you know, in, as the Soviet Union. So that's why we went to the moon. The side benefit was all the rest of our concern for nature, a, a sense of global humanity, global concern for the environment. And that all began with the landing on the moon. Right. With actually began with the photo of the Apollo 8 Earthrise over the lunar landscape. That was December 1968, the mm -hmm. bloodiest year in the bloodiest decade in America since the Civil War. And it helped put things so, in perspective. Yeah, exactly. So so um, only then did people start thinking globally about Earth and about our survival and, and that Earth is a is 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 enabling us to survive because we're we're not yet completely destroying it and can we preserve that. So that's an important period in our history. Today, yes, we're fractured here, they're fractured in England. There, uh, there's other unrest around the world, but all things being, all things considered, we live in a relatively peaceful time. Mm -hmm. Allow me to put this in perspective. All the killings that ISIS does, they're, they're gory and bloody and graphic and they make headlines, add up the total number of people ISIS has killed. I don't know what that number is, but consider that between 1939 and 1945, on average, 1,000 human beings were killed in yeah. the act of war per hour between 1939 and 1945. Wow. And if anything were doing that today, our, our heads would explode. We would say, oh my gosh, we have to do everything we can to stop it. I'm just putting death and bloodshed in context, mm -hmm. okay? The context is we have lived in much, much bloodier times than today right and so there's a lot to be celebrated because of that fact and a lot of it was cultural you know in the second world war it wasn't here are the pictures of all the soldiers who died it's we're fighting for freedom against hitler and against that and so there was the 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 whole the whole point of view was different regarding a thousand deaths an hour i don't know that anyone actually reported those numbers yeah because the war and the and the goals of the war had a bigger, um, weighed more on our conscience than the cost of the war, okay? That we had to win that war. So today, um, yeah, there, and, and, and the streets are, there's less crime in America than like in, in the past 50 years. Uh, so uh, let's, be, let's be honest with ourselves about the times in which we're living. Now, okay. since we're not at a major war with a competitor, Will war drive us to Mars? I, I don't think so. Unless China, I joke about this, China should leak a memo saying, 
you want to put military bases on Mars, right? Doesn't have to be true. Just leak that. Just leak the it. Pentagon gets a hold of it. We'll be there next year. Ten months. Colonies. Right? <laughs> so, so uh, what I can tell you is that I think any big, expensive project that's collaborative has huge uh, impact on uh, the stability of nations, and. Uh, the International Space Station was the largest collaboration of nations outside of the waging of war. This is a this is something to behold. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a model for other kind of cooperative settlements that we might have going forward. Um, I think we could go to Mars for economic reasons. Why? Because to do that successfully, you have to attract the very best in all of the engineering and STEM fields. And when you do that, they will innovate and they will uh, invent things to patent because they all want to go to Mars. It's not just some abstract thing. You know, I need you to, oh, I need you to cure cancer. Well, I'm not interested in curing yeah. cancer. Do I now still force you in the lab if you're a brilliant scientist? No, I'll give you other stuff to do. Yeah. I want to be the first on Mars. I want to divide the first spaceship around Mars. Huge innovations come out of that that apply to the rest of life because it's always done that. Mm -hmm. It's always been that. It's always done that. So then we say, all right, we are stoking innovations in STEM fields because of this dream state that we want to go to Mars. And then the economy runs like gangbusters so that an investment in Mars becomes a future investment in the stability of our economy. So we'll get to Mars, but it's not going to bring us together as a people. <laughs> I, that shouldn't be what you're banking on. For yeah. Driver. Yeah. Come. And by the way, when we do go to Mars, we say, all right, who's got the best uh, launch vessel? Who's got the best this and that? Who's got the best doctors? Maybe we collect the best from around the world and then they serve that mission in the way the ISS has done mm -hmm. that. International Space Station, the robotic arm was made in Canada. Mm -hmm. Well, the Canada arm. Canada <laughs> That's an awful name. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Hey, that's but a claim to fame. made the best robotic arm, and so there it is. Yeah, we advertise, and every time we have a photo of it trying to retrieve the Hubble telescope back when it was <laughs> part of the um, the space shuttle, for example. Yeah, the Canada arm and Chris Hadfield are two most important things. <laughs> <laughs> Justin's Canadian, if yeah. you hadn't guessed. <laughs> Let's know then they just made it onto the five dollar bill a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the hockey players were on the five dollar bill and put on uh, <laughs> yeah. chris hatfield and the canada arm and i and i joke because i say somebody finally came to their senses where they realized they didn't have canadians didn't have to remind canadians that they like hockey exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was swappable real estate on your <laughs> exactly yeah. i want to i want to throw a, a couple hypotheticals at you what do you think first contact is realistically going to be like I think uh, we might detect leaked signals from another civilization and we won't know how to decode it because they, uh, you know, think about it. We, we don't know. <laughs> uh, Carl Sagan famously said, you know, the smartest dolphins have learned some rudimentary uh, uh, vocal intonations mm -hmm. to mimic what a human will do. And yet no human has ever learned how to speak dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> so dolphins have larger brains than humans do yet we have not meaningfully communicated with dolphins mm -hmm. so to say we will meaningfully communicate with another life form that does not even have dna in common with us is is audacious since we can't communicate like i said with other life on earth unless we were doc you know the doctor 
or uh, Mary Poppins, both of whom are uh, Mary Poppins, likely a Time Lord. Time Lords can speak with other animals, as can Spock. Okay? Yes. Okay. We can. Okay? We don't know how to. Other life forms, other species would count as other animals. So the audacity of us to say we'll speak with other intelligent beings, but we can't speak with intelligent dolphins. Uh, I don't know how else to respond to that. So, um, first contact, if it's physical contact, and they came here, well, you know, that one's pretty easy to answer. Um, if they behave in any way the way we've behaved when we encountered other members of our own species with less technology than we, it has yeah. never boded well yeah. for the, those with less technology. So, of course, if they visit us, they have better technology than we do, more potent technology. I don't see why they wouldn't just enslave us, put us on reservations, and pick us up. <laughs> That's a cheerful thought. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly, you know, because we've done worse yeah. with ourselves. Yeah. So that's why we fear that, because we know we were capable of that, mm -hmm. just that kind of behavior. So uh, otherwise, if they're really, really smart, they'll just make a zoo out of us. And maybe we <laughs> already is their zoo. We might, we just, yeah, we might be there already. We don't even know. Just don't even know it. I mean, yeah. when you make little ant farms at home, do the ants know or even care that exactly. they're in a... An artificial farm? Exactly. No, they got yeah. soil, they got their food, they got their, their, they can burrow, whatever you call it that ants do, dig. Yeah. So maybe that's exactly what they did. They saw so these humans, they need this and they need that. And, and here's another, here's more proof that maybe that's actually what's happening. Uh, every now and then we're, we, we're boring to them. So they have to stir the pot. So they throw in a Donald Trump just to, <laughs> just to see what happens. Yeah, just all right, you guys have gone. Just make it a little bit exciting. See what how with how they react to this one. Do, do you remember the old the, the Sims game with Sim City, sure. where you would make your, you were mayor of the city and you'd allocate monies for school and resources, mm -hmm. and every now and then, like Godzilla would step into your city mm -hmm. and, and destroy it and there'd be fires and you have to fix that. And Godzilla is, is, is iconic for just some disaster you can't predict, like 9-11, mm -hmm. like uh, Hurricane Sandy. I live in New York City where there was flooding. So you can't predict that. So you just throw in a Godzilla and do that. Well, um, if you we programmed SimCity. Yeah. Yeah. Not Sin City, of course, Sim City. Sim City. Programmed it. It. <laughs> to throw in a Godzilla every now and then. Yeah. And right? that's just that is, that's what we're dealing with right now, right? It's just Godzilla in a toupee. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> it's evidence that we are someone else's simulation because <laughs> the Don was was insert installed <laughs> yeah. by hand. It's coach special subroutine. <laughs> Donald Trump. Let's see how they deal with this. Whoa. And then that is such a terrifying but, thought quite honestly <laughs> but but the most probable explanation that i've heard so i think that's good yeah it is a good explanation. <laughs> so assuming that we're not in a big ant farm somewhere or we're not in you know a sim city somewhere what is the likelihood that intelligent life already knows about us but has just chosen not to make contact yeah they would have had to have either visited earth in an ancient alien kind of way mm -hmm. or uh, they would have had to have heard our radio signals because that's evidence that we're alive and have technology. Uh, because, of course, you could have visited humans a thousand years ago and would have we're no less smart than we are today. We were still humans, but we'd, we wouldn't have had any technology. So if your only evidence of life would be uh, a radio signal, mm -hmm. you might think that Earth had no intelligence at the time. But, of course, we did. Right. So, so the window is 
how long have you had technology while you've been intelligent? That's really what it comes down to. For us, it's been about in the in the kind of technology we're referring to, it's been about a hundred years. Yeah. So we have like a 70 year radio bubble. We've been generating radio waves for about 70 or 80 years. So we you'd haven't have gotten to be, very far. You'd have to have, have that washed over your planet and then decoded it. And then you would learn what we were like 70 years ago. Yeah. Uh, through our television signals, like uh, I Love Lucy, um, The Honeymooners, so the very earliest, Milton Berle, mm -hmm. this sort of thing. The very earliest. So our cultural emissaries are television signals moving at the speed of light through the vacuum of space. Mm -hmm. And it all comes back to Carl Sagan with contact. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So uh, contact, I mean, that film I thought was brilliant, not only for how science can react to it, but especially how culture yeah. might respond to the discovery that there's life more intelligent than we. Yeah, that that to me in that film was the most poignant part, the the the, the, the the best part of that movie was not the adventure that she went on or the scientific discoveries that were made. It was how everybody else at Earth reacted to that news. And yes. I, don't, I don't think that it was very far off from how we would really react. Well, that was the scary plausibility of it. Sure. That here's this faction and this group and there's the, the zealots, the that, and each one is reacting in their own way, in mm -hmm. their, according to their own philosophy. And meanwhile, the scientists are just trying to get data. So, yeah. yes, that was intriguing. The <laughs> bit at the end of the film, not to get too inside baseball here, yeah. but at the end of the film where she doesn't have evidence of her trip, it's just static yeah. on the on her recording device. And so everyone doubts that she really took the trip because she was gone only for seconds, but in her mm -hmm. own mind it was hours. And so she's left almost discredited for this. But then only at the end of the movie you learn that while there was static on her recording device it was 18 hours mm -hmm. of static mm -hmm. oh my gosh that's that's its own invent that's its own thing <laughs> that, that's uh, <laughs> let's investigate that yeah now. I mean, so there's a time warp inside the device i mean so i i think informed people would have been in completely intrigued by that yeah well that's you just hit on it though informed people oh yeah sorry yeah yeah that reminds me of there's a, I, I could be apocryphal, a story told by Adlai Stevenson back when he was wanting to run for president and get the nomination. Uh -huh. And he was intellectually, he may have even had a PhD. And he told his advisors, I, I'm pretty sure I have the vote of, of every intelligent person in the country. <laughs> and then he said, but sorry, but excuse me, sir, you need a majority. Yeah. <laughs> I said, uh -oh. oh, that's old. That's cool. Um, Yet still relevant this year. <laughs> I mean, the one person, one vote is is sacred. It's yeah. a sacred <laughs> part of democracy. So your issue is not telling, saying that these people shouldn't vote, is then educate them, mm -hmm. right? This Absolutely. is, you don't scream at them yet. I'm an educator, so I, I have way more compassion in this exercise than I've seen most people have, I think. Because yeah. they want to argue and they want to scream and they want to... What I can tell people is, um, here's something you might not be aware of. And I'm thinking, had you learned this in this way, then you would learn these causes and effects of things, and you would not come out the other side saying that global warming is a hoax perpetrated by the Chinese. Mm -hmm. I will empower you to understand why that sentence is preposterous. Mm. You, are, you are doing the work that, that should be done by far more 
people. Many more oh, yeah. people in need fact, to be doing I, this work. My disappointment. I mean, I yeah. want. I don't want to be the only one on the landscape. Yeah. Right. Uh, in fact, that's cult building if that's all it is. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I, and I, I don't like referencing back to me. Yeah. Again, I don't. I don't want people to say it's true because Tyson said. I want people to, to have been, inoculated against charlatanism. Right. And, um, and that's the power of inquiry. Mm. We'll do that every time. Mm. Um. Couple more questions. Mm-hmm. If Asgard from <laughs> Thor and the Marvel Universe, Asgard, we yes, have to get we have to get geeky. Serious serious questions. questions. <laughs> if Asgard is actually another dimension, mm-hmm. what would Bifrost need to be to actually work? What would what need to be Bifrost, which is what they it's that rainbow road that they travel between. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what? Oh, what, oh right, the, and where you have the. So um, if Asgard and our yeah. Earth, which is Midgard, if if those are different dimensions, how would you travel between them? What uh, would Bifrost really be? Okay, what you would need is sort of a hyperdimensional wormhole to do it, and they kind of portrayed that mm-hmm. in this. They you have all these sub universes basically, and they're connected. They illustrated it in one of the movies, I think, mm-hmm. and there's a grid. Uh, oh, no, sorry, the guy on Earth did it, right? So yeah. what the legend says. And, yeah, those would be sort of hyperdimensional wormholes. See, right now you can make a wormhole in our own universe, but it'll only get you to another part of our own universe. Mm-hmm. You would need a, even a higher dimensional wormhole to get you out of our universe into another universe, into another realm. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go from the realm of Asgard to whatever was the name of our realm, did would it have a Mid- name? Midgard. Midgard, sorry. So you'd go the Asgard, Midgard, uh, that that's what you would need. So that so that bridge, that sort of s- bridge suspended in the middle of infinity, yeah, would ha- have to be just that kind of device. So hyperdimensional wormhole, possible, plausible, impossible. I, I don't see why not. There's there's no law of physics to prevent it. Uh, wormholes in our own dimensionality, we don't know how to keep them open. They're highly unstable. Mm-hmm. So if you pry one open and then go in, it might close around you, and who knows what effect that will have on you. By the way, if you're going from one realm to another. Something they would not have considered in the Marvel universe, uh, because we only learned of it recently, and it's pretty interesting fact that if there are multiple universes, they likely have slightly different laws of physics among them. Hmm. Okay. Which would make that bridge extremely dangerous to cross. To cross. Yeah. Because the laws of physics that are holding together your atoms and your molecules that might have a different value of the charge on the electron. If that's the case, your atoms could just fly apart or orbits could go unstable in in planetary systems. So so So, that is this whole other interesting branch of storytelling. So as unstable as wormholes are that we within our own universe, they're going to be like tenfold more unstable because we're changing the laws of physics halfway through. Or they could become stable. It would involve a difference in the laws of physics. Maybe in that universe, wormholes are completely stable. They're the most stable things you can make. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, I thought I was getting it, and now you just kind of like you, you tweaked it for me. I'm and now they're like... unstable here in another universe. They could be. Yeah. Well, oh, I, I'm following you. Well, it's complete just, stable. It's yeah. Be different. That's yeah. all. Yeah. 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 All right. I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. States, you know, don't get left behind. Come on. Okay. I got you. I got you. Keep up. <laughs> so we've talked about Marvel. Star Trek is having its 50th anniversary this year. The first Star Trek, the original series. The original series, the fr- of the, you know, Star Trek as its thing. Um, 
so much of the technology that was introduced in Star Trek and in other science fiction shows and movies and stories has become real. It's become a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but what piece of sci-fi tech would fundamentally change our humanity for the better? That What do we still need to invent that would, that would just radically change everything? A transporter. Why? Well, because think about it. If you could beam something from one place to another, mm-hmm. you would not need any distribution networks of goods or services. Mm-hmm. Think of how much of our roads are used by trucks, mm-hmm. how much of trains are used to move a, a, a grain or coal or just think about that. It, Star Trek is said, oh, it's great because now I can get from A to B, but most of the moving of things in the world is not people. Right. It is goods and services. I'm sorry, goods and 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 food and right. this sort of thing. So you just have a little place in your corner. This is for food and that's for people. And you would beam things in from the grocery store. You'd you'd send over a list and they'd or better yet, if you have wormholes, mm-hmm. you don't even need to beam. You just pass it through a wormhole. So you have a wormhole connecting the back of your refrigerator to the grocery store. And in fact, not even the grocery store because. The food the producers farm. ship things to, to the farm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That way, it never the food never has to go anywhere but into your refrigerator and into your mouth. That would be a game changer in our civilization. <laughs> See, I I would always have answered that question with a replicator because then you you know there is no food shortage. There's no shortage of anything. But you're right. Without without the ability to transport it, you'd still have to distribute all that stuff. Or well, the replicator's every- violating some. You know, you're violating known laws of physics there. Yeah. So I'm not. Uh, that's why I didn't lean towards a replicator. Okay. I've got wormholes. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. Or or uh, the the transporter, that's still kind of far fetched, but not as impossible to me as a replicator. But my deal with 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 the with the with the transporter is I love the idea, and every time I could go to an airport, I wish that one existed. But the idea of tearing you apart into individual <laughs> atoms and then reassembling you somewhere else, kind of kind of terrifies me i mean are you as a different as it should as it and should that, that's why i think that it first out of the box would be um <laughs> my, my container of milk and my and right juice. That, would you that's be, what's going to be transported but if that were invented if that were a thing you know the way they do it in star trek you know they tear you apart here and reassemble you over there are you the same person or are you a different person well that's the tough part because your twin is genetically identical to you but you don't wake up in the consciousness of your twin. Mm-hmm. You always wake up as yourself. You don't wake up as me. I don't wake up as you. And by the way, I think about this all the time. <laughs> what accounts for the persistence of me within myself? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so this is you know this is the mystery of the mystery of consciousness. And the evidence that we don't know anything about consciousness is because people still write whole books on it. Yeah. And you might think, oh, there's a book on it, therefore we know about it. When you know about something completely, no longer is there an occasion to write books on it. Go to the go to the bookstore and look for all the books on gravity. It's like <laughs> one third of one shelf. Look at the books on consciousness. It's shelf after shelf after shelf after shelf. Yeah. Hmm. You, you may have just answered this, but what keeps you up at night? Uh, good or bad or, you know, or indifferent. Either. Uh... So good things that keep me up at night are I like thinking about what's coming in my week, uh, how I can be better at what I'm doing than anything I've done before. Mm-hmm. 
so it's it's marshalling this psychomotor energy to get ready for the next day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, 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 I harness too much of it and then it's hard to get to sleep. Right. Uh, and that's what, that's what I mean by keeping me up at night. I might, uh, sure. but, uh, other things I worry, worry things that keep me up at night. I worry that maybe the human intellect is not smart enough to figure out how the universe works at its most fundamental level. It can manifest in two ways. Maybe we're not smart enough to even ask the right question, mm-hmm. or we're not smart enough to know what the answer is, even if we do ask the right question. Yeah. And that worries me. Because why would it be that the very first species on Earth to have intelligence, as we've defined ourselves, why would that be just the right amount of intelligence to figure out the universe? That's kind of <laughs> audacious, actually. Maybe it's 10% of the full amount of intelligence we need. Maybe there's some other aliens out there who do have the rest of that 90%, and we are to they what worms are to us. Right. Okay? And they have the deepest understanding of the universe. So I, that, I, <laughs> I lay awake at night just wondering if we're just too stupid. And now I will also. Bio- <laughs> Biologically inept. <laughs> my, 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 my ray of hope here is that we biologically we have five traditional senses you know sight hearing yeah. touch taste and sound sound oh you um, said hearing yeah, yeah so so if someone came up to you and said you know i have a sixth sense usually that's the person who who people take interest in at the party yeah. and <laughs> maybe they know something ahead of knowing it right and that would be impressive if any of us had a sixth sense but i as a scientist wield dozens of senses. Yeah. I can see things in this universe that human physiology cannot. And I have methods and tools to do so. I can see ultraviolet, infrared, gamma rays, x-rays, radio waves. I use them to communicate with. I can measure polarization. I can measure ionizing radiation. And you can't until it's too late when your arms start falling off and you have <laughs> organ cancer, okay? But I can measure while it's happening. I can measure magnetic field. Mm-hmm. They put your head in an MRI and put it up to a zillion gauss of um, magnetic field strength, and you don't know you don't notice any of it because right. we don't have magnetic field sensors. So I can detect things about our world that you cannot. You're human, and I have scientific tools. We are human. So, so we did figure out a way to go beyond the limits of our human physiology with our detectors. Maybe we can do that intellectually. By getting little bits of things, I need you. You're brilliant in this area. You plug this piece into the puzzle. I'm not brilliant in that area. I'm brilliant here. So I add another piece. And little bit by little, sorry to mix metaphors here, but we assemble the rungs of a ladder, enabling the species to climb to higher heights, even if no individual among us has that intellectual ability. So that's the only hope I have that maybe we can reach beyond ourselves to an intellect that maybe even aliens would be proud of but there is hope and that is i think that is good hope though because we've we've proven i think time and again that good people are willing to do the that that collaboration and be able to work off of off of other people's work so mm-hmm. provided think, access to opportunity remains yeah. egalitarian yeah. because if it's not if you you know if women are not part of the scientific workforce well that's half the intellectual capital of the world absolutely just left out of the equation yeah any other demographic 
is summarily removed from having access to thinking that way, yeah. then you're simply delaying the great solutions that uh, innovative thinking in those fields would bring. Yeah. Last question, and then we'll let you go. What have you found is the easiest way to blow somebody's mind? Hmm. Uh, find any number of angles into the cosmic perspective, particularly if they're ego-driven and the uh, cosmic perspective can totally mess with you. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can have a cosmic, per, cosmic perspective even if it's not space-based. So here's one, for example. You can say, well, who's in charge? Well, we're in charge because we're humans and we have bulldozers and guns. All right. Uh, so what are you in charge of? Because uh, one centimeter of your lower colon, mm -hmm. one straight centimeter of your lower colon, in that one centimeter lives and works more microbes than the total number of humans who have ever been born. Mm. So whatever, however you think of life, there are microbes who think of you yeah. as simply a dark anaerobic vessel of fecal matter. Mm. <laughs> Fantastic. Servant of their interests. <laughs> and they will let you know if they are unsatisfied with what you've been doing. Yeah. yeah. They can send you to the bathroom they 10 minutes an hour. They certainly can. <laughs> so these kinds of cosmic perspective, that's an important for me, a, a microbial cosmic yeah. perspective. Others is just how brief we are space and in time and possibly even in intellect relative to aliens that have been developing intelligence in their evolutionary tree for longer than we have perhaps yeah so by the way that all presumes that intelligence promotes survival right it all assumes that and that's not obvious yeah if you can be so smart you have the power to end your own species then it's self-limiting at that point dinosaurs didn't kill themselves they didn't kill themselves but they were just unlucky they yeah. didn't have a space program. They didn't have opposable thumbs. <laughs> they didn't have a journey they to Mars. <laughs> was tiny. Plus they, you know. But other than those complications, <laughs> if they had a space program, they surely would have uh, figured out how to deflect the asteroid. Maybe that, they did. And the, the ones that, the smart ones with the space program are already gone. And the ones that died were the ones who couldn't Oh, that's to it. take, to escape to safety. I'm talking yeah. about a space program to deflect. Oh, to deflect that. Oh, I see. We're trying okay. to save people here, please. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would have been just selfish, not very smart. But exactly. Okay. okay. Dr. Tyson, thank you so much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure. You are welcome back anytime so we can ask you all the other questions we didn't have time for today. Okay, well, thanks for that interest. Okay, I could just listen to him talk for <laughs> hours. Like when we, when we were talking to him, I'd just be sitting there being like, "Yeah, keep talking. I want to hear. <laughs> like, I want to hear what you have. Like, he has a voice and the way he the way he. I can see. I can't even talk. Like, I I'm not good. <laughs> I can't even express what I mean. I got good with words. He has. A, well, he just has a way of presenting his thoughts so eloquently and. And you just want to listen, and you could. I want to listen to him read stories. Is what I, is, I think. That's what I'm coming down to. I want to hear him well, read stories to me. There's a reason <laughs> he has become well known for what he is known for. You know, I mean, right. he's not known just for being an intelligent guy. He's no. known for being able to take very complex scientific ideas and explaining them in a way that almost anyone can understand mm -hmm. and that in itself is a skill and then when you add 
the voice on top of it that is that is you know a very um what's the word i want to use attractive but not in like a baritone yeah but it's like it's it's it 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 draws you in It's, it's a voice he can speak with authority he can speak with wit and he can speak very uh eloquently in 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 a way that you can understand and want to listen more just like you said you know he gets right. explaining something and you're like just just keep talking just yeah, say more because i'm, more I'm hanging it. on every word that you're exactly. saying exactly right? yeah we definitely need to that'd be awesome to have a part two with him hopefully that'll happen someday absolutely <laughs> but first jamie you need to get we need i say you we we, we need to get which means you need to get david Tennant. man come on that needs to happen you mean Uncle Scrooge? Yeah. We have connections with Disney. Uh, yeah, trust me. That was my very first thought when that right. casting was announced. Um, we have, I have pretty good contact with Disney XD, which is right. the, where it will be. And they they are already well aware of my of excitement for DuckTales. Yeah. My excitement, just my excitement for DuckTales right, in general. In general. So oh, they, yeah. they know that if anything comes up that um we would be interested so um yes i mean obviously i would be thrilled to talk to david Tennant, right because of everything else that he's done um but now yeah man he's uncle scrooge and now that i now that they've announced that of course he's uncle scrooge can you think of anybody else perfect better it's perfect (laughs) i can't wait like they announced the voice cast and i was just like this is perfect i can't wait yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean it I am not going to lie. The first couple episodes are probably going to be a little bit weird because mm-hmm. those other voices are are so ingrained in our right. heads. Um, it, it's going to be weird to not hear, you know, like Rusty Taylor, who we had on as yep. the as the three nephews, you know, and Webby. She was all four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be weird uh, to hear somebody else as, as Uncle Scrooge. But I think after those after that initial shock and weirdness of wait what are these voices i think it's going to be great yeah i can't wait i can't i seriously can't wait i was hoping for a jim cummings but we'll see <laughs> we'll see you if know he... my get these disney shows have so many have such great voice casts not just the the the, the main cast but the right. the guest stars who come in to do um smaller mm-hmm. recurring roles they get they get a lot of people and they get a lot of famous really great people. So right. my guess is that people like Jim Cummings and you know the the guys who have been around forever and actually did do some voices on the original right. Ducktales. My guess is that they'll be around and they'll yeah, I'm they'll sure. they'll do a few voices. Maybe Darkwing will appear. Who knows? Oh, Can you imagine? I would lose my mind. Lose <laughs> it. It would be gone. Blown. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. We are you excited for Ducktales? Let us know. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBB podcast, or Twitter at the GBB podcast, and let us know also what you thought of this interview. Maybe send a tweet to Neil deGrasse Tyson and let him know how much you enjoyed hearing him on the show. And we look forward to uh, coming back to you next week. And it's going to be after Christmas next week. So, but we're still releasing. We don't take breaks for Christmas break. Nope, not we us. Don't, we don't take a break. We don't. <laughs> we, we, we're in the back and we whip. Get the podcast <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next week. I'm Justin at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie at the Robots. And have a great holiday season. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.